So welcome to series two of Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. We are, I I really can't believe that we're a year through. We've already spoken to so many lovely people. We've had so much encouragement from you and we're very excited to be able to tell you that Delving a Little Deeper is now available. Set one is all prepared and packaged up. And we're starting series two with a real treat for you. We're talking about the gift of language. Today, I have got the absolute joy of introducing you to somebody who we're going to hear a little bit more about in Delving a Little Deeper. Her name is Julia. Hello, everybody. And Julia grew up on the borders of Italy and Austria, correct? Correct. And today we're going to be talking about, I guess in the broadest term, language acquisition, how she absorbed multiple languages and how she how that's affected her as an adult in latter years. Yeah. So we're looking forward to hearing your story, Julia. Thank you. I'm looking forward to sharing it. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up. Okay. So I grew up in a town in northern Italy, about an hour south of Austria and an hour north of Verona. And Beautiful. It is right on... The region is a bilingual region and has a province that speaks Italian and a province that speaks German or various dialects of German, I would say. Yeah. And I grew up right on the border with the German-speaking region within Italy. And I was born to an Italian father, Mm -hmm. an American mother. My dad was born in the village and brought up in the village where I grew up, whereas my mother is from Los Angeles, California. So quite an interesting mix. Definitely. (laughs) And I grew up, I went to the local kindergarten and the local primary school, the local middle school. So I grew up speaking English at home with my mum mainly and grandparents whenever they visited or we spoke over the phone, Mm -hmm. which in those days was maybe once a week, maybe once a fortnight. And at school, we learned Italian. And the local language for communication is our local dialect. So, Which people, is very different, isn't it? I, it derives from Italian, but it has a lot of German influence. Uh-huh. And if you were to learn Italian and land in the village, you wouldn't understand a word. Uh-huh. But you could quite quickly quite quickly begin to understand. My husband's British and he speaks fluent Italian. And at first he really struggled. But now after years of visiting, he understands a lot of the conversations. It's an agricultural, mainly agricultural and industrial centre. So also a lot of the dialect words might be centred around topics that people aren't familiar with. And this is why people don't understand. Yes. But so they're there were these different linguistic levels in our daily lives. And then at school, we have to learn German as a first foreign language mm. and then um, English as well. What we're looking at in Turning Little Stones is yeah, turning over a little stone, shining a light on something that's hidden. 
Obviously, babies and young children don't speak straight away. <laughs> it takes a wee while for the first words to arrive, but they're listening. They're listening even when they're in the womb. They're absorbing language. They're absorbing the cadence of the mother's voice and the sounds that are going on around them. Mm -hmm. And in delving a little deeper, we're calling these windows of opportunity or or times of special sensitivity, but it's hidden. It's hidden to normal adulthood. Mm, okay. So you you absorbed all of that. You absorbed it even when your mum was carrying you before you even arrived on in the world. Okay. And then that exposure just continued, didn't it, in your childhood? Yeah. I mean, and. My mother always spoke in English to me. She's fluent in Italian. Yes. She has no accent in Italian anymore. I can't recall my mother ever having an accent when speaking in Italian. Mm. But she always spoke to me in English. And still now, I speak in English to her. If we're in a social situation with other people, then, of yes. course, it would be rude yes. to speak in a language yes. that no one else understands. But... But yes, the go-to language is still English with my mother. Great. Or, or we now will alternate. We'll make a mix and say two words in one language and two words in another language and yeah. sort yeah. of mix it all up. Yeah. But, but I mean, and I'm, I'm ever so grateful to her because I mm. didn't... If I think of my schoolmates who studied really hard, especially to learn English, because mm. it's a language that many people aspire to speak yes. fluently... Yeah. I didn't have to make any effort. Mm. It, was, mm. it was much easier. <laughs> I totally respect that. You know, most of us have to work hard, Very hard. to learn an additional language because we didn't have that yeah. gifting. And I think something about your story, I suppose we're fast forwarding a little bit and we will go back, is that this has impacted your ability to pick up language and music, actually, musicality, but, but languages all over. So you've done a lot of travelling. You used to be a tour guide. Yes, I was. Uh, across Europe. And you may not describe yourself as a fluent speaker, but you can pick up, you can understand, you can make sense of Slovakian, Hungarian, Lithuanian, all sorts of things, can't you? Yes. I think that's... I think I'm also particularly inclined to languages. I yeah. find them very interesting. Mm. But I definitely think that it is. it has been much easier to learn another language and to make connections yeah. between syntax and grammar and words. And it, it's something that... It's almost a game for me. Yes. It's not difficult. It's, it's literally a game. I can yes. take a bit of a sentence here and take a word there and see if it works. And, and it's, it's almost playful. Yeah. And and sure, it, it's very much connected to the fact that I grew up with so many different languages. But I recall even learning German. German and English are Germanic, mm -hmm. have a Germanic common root. Yes. And I remember at school I was able to guess the meaning of a lot of German words because I spoke English. Ah. Uh. Because they were sort of similar and yeah. they looked nothing like Italian because the root was Germanic. Yes. And I remember even my teacher being a bit surprised of like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. It just mm. sounds like this English word. And so I'm just guessing. Yes. And it wasn't always correct, 
but it often was. Yeah. And so it was much easier in, in that, much easier to learn yeah. a different language. What a gift. So if we're thinking of our listeners, you know, some of, some of, many of us will be parents and grandparents and maybe you speak your home language, your birth language is not English or not the country you're living in at the moment. What we're saying is don't be afraid to speak no. your language, your home language, the one that you're most comfortable speaking in with your children. Teach those nursery rhymes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I also feel it's part of the heritage, Yeah. the identity. Mm. And also you don't want to have a child who was raised perhaps in the UK and goes back to visit their grandparents yeah. and can't communicate with them yeah, yeah. or can't communicate with with the society where his parents or her parents grew up. And I think that's also something we need to bear in mind. Yeah, yeah. I understand the the need, the desperate need for integration. Yes. I understand that if you move somewhere, you want your children to be fluent in the language because it gives them more opportunities because mm. it it proves to be in integration mm. but knowing two languages doesn't mean not being integrated mm. it just means being luckier and yes. having more rather than less yeah from my point of view yes it's sort of everyone is starting in first gear and you're sturdy, starting in third gear because mm. you have two things mm. to tap into and mm. two worlds and, and two so almost parts of your brain and two linguistic sets and developmental sets. And I just think it's a huge advantage mm. rather than a disadvantage. And it doesn't mean that if at home you speak, I don't know, Romanian or Albanian or... Italian or Spanish or French, that you're never going to be fluent in English. I actually think it's the opposite. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And there's, there is some research out there, and, and we may do a podcast on that soon, talking about how, you know, young child's brain is, is very, very flexible, very, mm. very malleable. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually learning two languages learning or be absorbing two multiple languages i'd have to be two they're actually learning that each concept everything can be looked at differently or has a different word behind it and that has massive impact for for their intellectual development, let alone their language development, their whole intellect, their sort of the creative links and synapse connections yeah. are, are pinging away in different ways than a monolingual Absolutely. child. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the place where I live now in Italy is on the border with Slovenia. And nurseries there are bilingual. You can't choose Love to send it. your child to nursery. It's in Italian and Slovenian. And actually a lot of Italians then choose to send their children to Slovene school, mm. even for primary and middle school, because it's, it's always an advantage. 
And not many people speak Slovenian in the world. Yeah. It's a population of two million. If you think think of it from a, let's say, a future opportunity point of view, it's very limited. But it's still a richness and it's a, it's a wealth of information and just a step forward in life compared to people who only went to Italian school. Or I love only that. went to, I don't know. So the children, the young children growing up in your region, your current region in northern Italy, will have been exposed in kindergarten, in primary, to the two languages. Yeah, love absolutely. It. And the Slovene, the people who belong to the Slovene minority have to learn Italian because you cannot live yes. without speaking Italian. Because that's um, the dominant culture it, in that area. It's part of Italy, yeah. so yeah. most most things are in Italian, but mm. our councils are completely bilingual. There is always a Slovene speaker and an Italian speaker. Our medical staff is bilingual, for example. And people will have a preferred language, but they can still communicate fluently in both. But I find it interesting that a lot of Italian families choose to send their children to Slovene school. They don't speak Slovenian. Mm. They, couldn't be able, they wouldn't be able to help with homework or tasks, but they still think it's valuable for their children to learn a different language. That is fascinating. That is so lovely. And actually, it's very significant for, you know, I've had my career in the UK and all the childcare experiences in the UK, my experience of supporting parenting in you know, at nursery, you know, mm-hmm. then when they arrive at even six months old, if their background, if a, a parent's background is from a different culture and they've come over to the UK to build their life... I've had to spend a lot of time encouraging and reassuring them that actually they're not... It is no disadvantage to speak your home language language. at home because the children will naturally absorb English in nursery and and later on in school. So there is no disadvantage, quite the... Quite the opposite, actually. I would say the complete opposite. And when you think, yeah, some may be from Eastern Europe and they are well-regarded languages, that's fine. But when you come from maybe a a country in Africa that has a particular, a, a very, very small population that speaks that particular regional dialect, if you like, that can be a really hard one to get across, but the truth is the same, isn't it? But I think with these, with languages and dialects, I think the big difference is that dialects are usually not written, and so it's an oral tradition, oh. and it's very easy to lose it, because all it takes is for one generation to skip, and you can't relearn it because there mm. are no documents for you to relearn it for instance. And I think this often happens with a lot of languages that are maybe spoken by tribes or smaller groups of people where English has taken over now, especially in a lot of African countries. Yeah, or or the dominant language, like French or yeah, whatever. Or even Swahili in in Eastern Africa. And and it's 
it's just very difficult to keep them alive when there are less and less people who speak them. Mm. A bit like Cornish. Yeah. Or Welsh, for example. Mm. It's a big, big motivation now to to have bilingual schools in Wales. Oh, yeah. But I'm thinking of Cornish as kind of... One of yes. the reasons why it's dying out is because the only people who still speak it are all elderly and they're... Yeah they're all dying and so with them dies a language and because there's no real written record perhaps there's no books to be able to go back to Uh, there's no literacy it's very difficult to relearn a language that was never written and this happens with our dialects as well in the mountain valleys the more remote the mountain valley is the stronger the dialect because it has had less influence and it has had less contamination let's say from a linguistic point of view whereas the closer you get to cities the less likely it is that people speak a local dialect yeah thank you really helpful a lot of parents might feel that their children are learning to speak or articulating the spoken word a little bit later than their peers who may be being brought up in a monolingual family and setting so they might be a bit worried that there's language delay and developmental Mm. delay so what would what would we say there I think first of all it depends on the child some children develop linguistically earlier than others Mm. but if I think of my personal life I was I've always been quite chatty yeah as Caroline knows (laughs) and whereas my sister for example, who's much shyer than I am, she didn't utter a word until she was two and a half. Okay. And she had you to talk for her. And she's the third mm-hmm. of four siblings. And by the time she was two and a half, my little brother, the fourth brother, was also born. And she just didn't speak. She pointed at things and she grunted. Mm. To the point where my mother was seriously concerned because she was nearly three. And all she said was, and she would get very annoyed if she didn't get what she wanted. Mm. We used to call it the finger of power. She used to point at things and it was the (laughs) finger of power because you really needed to get what she she requested. (laughs) And all of a sudden, one day she woke up and she spoke Italian and English fluently. Yeah. So it it had all been absorbed without any evidence. Absolutely. She was fantastic. She just had her own, she had her own time. And my other brother, who's, I don't remember this. I recall my sister very clearly because I'm seven, eight years older than she is. So I remember her not talking very much. Whereas my other brother, who's a year and a half younger than I am, also didn't talk for a very, very long time. Or he spoke in Italian, Mm. but he wouldn't speak in English. And he would reply to my mother always in Italian until he was forced. And he was left with one of my granddad's friends who didn't speak any Italian. And my brother replied to him in Italian. And the gentleman said, I'm really sorry, but I don't understand what you're saying. And at that point, he just said it in perfect English. Mm. Problem solved. So I think... So the playfulness of children coming through. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, I wouldn't be concerned if... Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have children myself, but I don't... 
I don't think there should be an issue of concern if a child, it takes a child a bit longer to talk. It's, yeah. it's all in there. And, and, and hopefully we've said enough. And in delving a little deeper, we've explained, you know, this, this as a window of opportunity, as um, a period of particular sensitivity to different things. So language is one of them. And so we will be explaining a little bit more of the theory behind that in delving a little deeper. And we'd really encourage you to to take a look at that or accessing the first set in some way for those of you who, who would like to. But I guess the message from us both is, you know, I'm I'm born English. I've one of my degrees is in modern foreign language and I have learnt to speak. French and now Italian ah, and another. It's hard work. It's a hard journey to climb to to learn another language if you've been brought up in a monolingual household and community. You, Absolutely. on the other hand, take my breath away because you you just absorb different languages like <laughs> with the ease of I don't know what, and it's a real gift that your parents have given you. Absolutely, mm. but. I encourage, speak your own language to your children. It's, it's a gift. Mm. And sing those songs. Lovely. Thanks ever so much, Julia. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you for having me. Take care. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Wow, what a way to kickstart season two. Thank you so much, Julia, for the reminder that language is a gift that we should never underestimate. If you're new to Turning Little Stones, you might like to take a look at some fantastic episodes that we aired in Series 1. And the show notes for this and every episode are available from our website. And so thank you. We are so grateful for every share, like and review that any of you have given. Thank you for listening and thank you too for following. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>